folks. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Amers. Hey, everyone. Woo! It's summertime. It's June. It's wonderful time. And I have got episode 19 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast for you. My name is Kirsten Hammers, or actually Kirsten Cable, since I got married recently. So you can call me whatever you like. And I am here to present to you a fabulous podcast. I'm going to be just pretty much diving straight into the interview, which is just so cool this this month. It's just fantastic. I spoke to Ron Gullickson from languagesurfer.com. Ron lives in Florida. He's got this amazing uh, language learning blog. And really, really, you should check it out and just listen to him as he tells us about his language learning efforts. Uh, he's learned Arabic. He is learning Tagalog. And he is also learning Spanish ever so slightly, but his big language that he kind of really focused on at the moment is German. And he recently took even a German translation exam. So we spoke about translation and we spoke about what it means to be a traditionally trained language person because we both kind of found that we had some methods in common, just things that we do that must have been just what they told us to do in school. And so this is a really great interview. Um, and without further ado, let me tell you that this podcast as the last few episodes, is still presented and brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Flashsticks. Flashsticks is a company that produces uh, pre-printed post-it notes. So if you're a stationary nerd and you love the post-it notes, and you're a language nerd and you want to learn languages, oh my god, are you in heaven? Just go to flashsticks.com slash Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, um, and you'll see these packages are just all that you've ever dreamed of. Flash Six also wanted me to let you guys know that they've been working on something super special and I'm going to be one of the first people to announce it. So, on the Play Store for Android phones and on the App Store for iPhones, you're going to be finding very, very soon the new Flash Six app with a range of new features that aim to take your language to the next level. Now, personally, I think the easiest way of making sure that you get the new app when it comes out is to get the Flash 6 app right now, because they already have one. So just whip up your App Store and your Play Store and type in Flash 6, download the Flash 6 app, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be delighted. Um, if you want to buy some Flash 6, then you will get a very complimentary 10% off any package that you buy. They're available in Italian, Spanish, French, German, and in sign language. Uh, for beginners, intermediate and advanced learners and just come with all these fabulous features so it's really worth checking them out flashsticks.com slash Kirsten and that is it really for big announcements this week I am going to dive into the interview pretty much right now because I don't want to keep you guys any longer so let's head over to meet Ron Gullickson Hi Ron, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And you are a, you, I really, really wanted to interview you for a while or just talk to you um, because you've got this awesome website. It's called Language Surfer, uh, where you write about language learning and the languages that you like and just generally your language learning adventures. And it's languagesurfer.com. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay, so my first question to you really was, why why is it surfer? Why why are you surfing? Uh, it kind of goes with my language philosophy. 
Um, I, I don't like to try to master a language. I try to coexist with it. I try to get up on it like a surfer. Um, I feel like language is, is kind of like water, almost like the ocean, where it's just too big to even try to control. So I just try to get out there and, and maybe do a few tricks in it. <laughs> and um, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with the website, and uh, that's, that's why I chose the name. I absolutely love that image. Where are you from in the world? Is it a surfing kind of place? I'm from Orlando, and uh, there's no surfing here, but about 45 miles away. So, uh, but but honestly, I'm, I'm a lot better language surfer than I am a real surfer. <laughs> That's I, I really like that. I've recently um, written a blog article about sort of the idea of language guilt or that that feeling of ah oh, because I have been I sort of flirted with Russian a little bit, but I never really Russian and I never really fell in love. And, and started a, a full-on relationship, if I can say it that way. Um, and then there was a the sexy Welsh on the side, and then there's a kind of sexy Swedish kind of winking at me. And I just I just got distracted and ran off and, and kind of put tossed Russian to the side. And it's, it's really nice to think, well, you know, it's like surfing in that sense, isn't it? You kind of, you know, you hop from wave to wave. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'd, I'd had that, uh, I had that sense too. It was almost like channel surfing and, or internet surfing, um, going from language to language. Uh, lately, though, I've really kind of been focusing on one or two languages instead of just hopping around. But I, I, I do get a little bit of wanderlust. I'm, I'm ready to try something new. Mm -hmm. So I will assume that as an Orlando native, you, you are either English speaking or bilingual English and Spanish. What's your language background? Um, I'm English speaking. I, my mom's from the Philippines, but I didn't learn Tagalog growing up, so I spoke only English uh, until I was an adult. And then I uh, joined the Navy after high school, and that's where I learned um, Arabic, modern standard Arabic, and I became a translator uh, for the Navy for a few years. Wow. Is it is it a compulsory requirement to be in the Navy in the USA and speak a foreign language? No, this was a, a translation job field, and I had to take tests and qualify for it. There was a, a lot of red tape to, to get through and a lot of pre-screening. And then I got there, and uh, two-thirds of my classmates um, didn't make it to the, to the end of the course. So I was very fortunate to be able to get all the way through and be able to add Arabic to my resume. My God, yeah. Was that your first foreign language then, Arabic? Yeah, I, I'd had a mandatory Spanish in high school, but I didn't I didn't uh, retain very much of it, or I wasn't able to use it very well. So yes, Arabic was. Wow. Okay. So tell me, what started you off as a language fanatic? You know, uh, so I had that that experience uh, learning Arabic, and it, I, I really that was my first time studying. It was eight hours a day two hours a night of homework. And I said, you know, this is, this is uh, hard, but it's also rewarding to feel the language coming alive in your mind. And I put it aside for years after I, after I switched uh, job fields and I got a job in Germany working as a technical writer. And when I was out there, I said, Oh, well, I can use my old language learning tricks to, so that I could talk to people around here. And it got me back. That really got me going. Now I'm, I'm hooked on language learning, especially language learning by myself, 
learning it on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, what what's the what's what's the best way to learn it, or what's the best way to learn it? But you know, like what what is what works for you when you're learning a language on your own? Because I think I'm quite new to learning on my own, so I'm still trying to discover this. I've always been the the extrovert looking for other people, and I'm still kind of casting around, going, okay, this works for me. So, what works for you? Yeah. Uh, one is uh, I do a lot of I do a lot of passive listening or free listening. It's not it's not very passive. I pay I pay a lot of attention. That that's that's like the bedrock of everything I do. Um, I watch a lot of movies, TV shows. When I when I get to a certain level, I I uh, listen to the news. Um, I you know, but that's not enough for me. Either. I also have to do the other stuff. I have to go through some kind of course, some kind of self-study course like Pimsleur or Teach Yourself or even a textbook, uh, a lot of vocab. Um, maintaining accountability is probably the biggest challenge for me, so that's why it's helpful to have the blog and putting my language projects on there. So I'm like, oh, man, I can't just give up because people are waiting to see how this turns out. Mm-hmm. What's your project right now? Uh, I'm going to take the German translation test uh German to English translation test with the American translation, uh, American Translators Association, which is the big uh, translators association here in the United States. And I uh, take it actually next weekend. Oh my God. Good luck, first of all. And how are you, how are you preparing you. for that? Are you preparing, are you preparing in a sort of getting your language way up to speed way and um, I'm thinking about this from the perspective, obviously, of a of a coach and a language tutor. And um, when I'm bless you, when I'm preparing people for interviews, uh, for interviews, when I'm preparing people for exams, I tend to um, I don't just focus on the exam content, but I focus on the exam environment and kind of training them to say, okay, here are some core phrases. You know, if it's a spoken exam, if you completely go blank, this is what you can say. This is what's always going to work out for you, etc. And just preparing them for the idea of being in an exam and knowing what to expect. So to which extent do you prepare for an exam and to which extent are you preparing yourself just linguistically? Um, with, the tra- with this particular test, it's just pure translation. It's, it's just a, it's a two German texts and I have to translate it into English. I think it's going to be about 500 words total and I'm going to have three hours to complete it. So one is I'm getting a lot of practice with translation, making sure that I get used to the idea of writing out polished translations using um, translation aids like my dictionary. The other, uh, the other thing I'm doing is I'm also getting used to writing by hand because it's not a computer-based exam. And I don't remember the last time I've had to write 500 words or so uh, by hand. So, um <laughs> I also want to make sure that my my global skills are at, they're at a high enough level that I can handle the demands of the test without having to rely on the dictionary alone. I don't want to I don't want to have to look up every single word because I'm because I'm completely lost. So I do a lot of vocab. I do a lot of uh, j- just general language learning. It's, it's, uh, at this point, though, I'm pretty much peaking for the test, so I'm, I'm, it's all translation and reading. Mm, wow, fantastic. Oh my god. And that's probably an an elaborate test like that is probably at C2 level. Uh they they said uh so the 
they said it was about C1 level. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S., it's uh, uh, the scale we use, it's, it's three level. I don't, I don't know how that corresponds to all the different language organizations. No, that's true. I was just thinking that um, talking about the C1 and the C2 level and just generally levels, um, it is actually quite difficult to to really quantify what that means. To me, it's always about the the so the for listeners who are completely lost and no idea what we're talking about, the C1 and C2 level references come from a framework called the European Framework. Common European Framework of Reference for um, Foreign Language Proficiency. And it starts, it, it works in A, B and C levels, and then there's an A1 and an A2, and a B1 and a B2, and a C1 and a C2. Um, and essentially, at C2 level, you're about as high as you can go in foreign language, in measured foreign language proficiency. Um, and an A1 level, you're sort of beginning to kind of describe the closest thing to you. And I often think of it in concentric circles that sort of move out from you so first you describe just yourself and your immediate environment and then slowly you can talk more and more and more about the world around you until you can express sort of concepts and political discussions and sort of really deep ideas that that go way beyond just kind of pointing where is the next hotel so you can really express what's deep inside you um, and to me, that is a, a C1 or a C2 level of proficiency. Uh, does that make sense, Ron? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, the kind of text that we're going to have to translate is something at that level. Um, but we, we're not going to have to, we're not forced to reproduce it or to produce it on our own. Mm-hmm. We just have to be able to uh, translate a text that is written at that level. And what is it that attracts you about translation in particular? You know, I think it's the devil that I know. It's <laughs> it's something I'm pretty comfortable with. I, I'm a, I like to think I'm a pretty good English writer. Um, so I have I always have that going for me. Anytime I translate from a foreign language into English, I'm able to polish the translation up enough, and that always gives me a little bit of an advantage. Um, also, I just I don't know. It's it's almost like a puzzle. I like I like being able to take a text that's written in one language, figure out the puzzle of not, not just what it says, but what, what the author's trying to say and putting it into English. That's, that's always, it's, it's rewarding. It's fun. It gives me an insight into other people's mindsets. Mm-hmm. And what's translating like as a career? Okay. First of all, part one of the question, what's, what's translating like in the Navy? Uh, it's a, uh, it's about like translating anywhere. You know, you have to, you have the same demands. You you do your translation. Somebody reviews it. Um, sometimes somebody tells you that you were completely wrong, and you you say, "Oh, sorry," and then you you go back to the drawing board. I think the only difference with the Navy is that we were, went through such a an accelerated course that when we came out, we knew we knew a lot of the formal stuff like. I can still remember how to say bilateral relations in Arabic, but (laughs) I I had trouble with remembering how to say dresser drawer or, or stairs, you know, just common everyday words because we concentrated so much on getting to that high proficiency level that we quickly forgot a lot of the the everyday words. 
so that was always that was always a challenge when when you got out into the real world of translating you said oh Oh, what, what's this word? And, and you know, if you're working with a native Arab speaker, Arabic speaker, he said, um, he said "How do you not know how to say gambling?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, I just it didn't come up a lot." <laughs> and that's that's very. I, I share that experience. Um, being trained as a foreign language secretary, um, I I got very good at um, writing uh, French order confirmations, um, but I couldn't have possibly gone to the market and ordered anything except for like aubergine and uh, tomato and you know like things that are right. kind of obvious but then there's a lot of pointing and going um i don't know how to say pears in french um and that is that is a really interesting experience um this is perhaps something that I'd, i'd like to dive in a little bit deeper into this sort of really specialist specific language training um and how different that is to the experience of teaching yourself a language because if you are teaching yourself a language and you're learning it for the love of language, you can kind of learn whatever you want, right? Absolutely, yes. And uh, that was, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I've been drawn in the last few years to just kind of learning it on my own. I, I have complete control over my curriculum. Mm -hmm. And how do you put that curriculum together or what's it look like? Um, you know, I basically, every day I try to do three things. I try to have a, some kind of uh some kind of free listening exercise I I don't even call it that I just watch TV or watch a video on YouTube or listen to a podcast of, of the news I also try to uh I try to read something every day uh, especially news articles lately um I do a lot of transcription or some kind of uh active listening mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. transcription or maybe I'll do language shadowing where I, I try to imitate after the speaker and then i uh there's usually a lot of vocab i usually do some vocab in there how do you and, do and you gr work grammar if i oops sorry oh it's fine um right now a staple i used to use language journals almost exclusively and then i would transfer the language journals over to um flashcards so what i would do is I'd have like a language journal. I'd draw a line down the middle. This is something I picked up in language school. On one side, I would write the the word in the language I'm learning. On the other side, I would write the English translation. And it didn't have to just be a word. It could be a word or a phrase or, you know, anything that I wanted to learn. Um, and I would transfer those over to flashcards and drill them. Uh, lately, I've been using the site ReadLang, uh, which is excellent. It kind of automates a lot of that for me. It, so when I define a word in ReadLang, it adds it to my word list, and I just go through the online flashcards there. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I use it, I have the same habit. So it must be it must be formal language education taught us to draw a line down the middle, <laughs> and I do it in exactly the same way. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's like if you've ever been so, to language yeah, school, I, I, that's the secret trick: draw a line. Draw a line down, down the middle. <laughs> it just works. <laughs> But do you find that there is a difference between um, as you as you cut out the handwriting? Um, I often feel that way. I feel that I feel more in control and I feel more con comfortable, I guess, not confident. I feel more comfortable handwriting um, my notes, at least in the first instance, before they go into flashcards and they sort of become a bit less graspable, if that's a word, because they're all digital. Um, and with ReadLang, do you feel like you're missing a step when you're not handwriting them? Or does it just work? Yeah. Um, 
I do feel that way, and and there is absolutely something to that. I think there's even been research about how your memory improves when you handwrite stuff, but I I think I still get about seventy five percent of the benefit. So with with about seventy five percent less hassle, so I still I do like relaying for that. But I do I do sometimes make a point to uh, write out words, especially if I'm having trouble remembering them, which which I always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> One of my one of my techniques is if I have a if, if I do word lists, um, I, I reduce the word list down. So I will rewrite it, but I only write the words that I'm really struggling with. And then I'll do it again and then I'll do it again. So it goes from sort of 50 words to uh, 25 to and then in the end, there's just two words that you can't remember. And those two are the ones then that go on the bathroom mirror. Um, and that way I can remember the whole word list. But I always work on cutting down, um, which is kind of an organic SRS, I guess. Yeah, that's and that's a good idea. And that's I like the idea of organic SRS. I think that some people get too way too caught up trying to uh, nail down a precise formula. I mean, nobody. But before SRS was invented, people learned languages all the time without having precise increments between exposures to vocabulary words. You know, I think you can drive yourself crazy with that. So uh, yeah, I do. I, I like the idea of organic SRS, just repeated exposure over time. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, there's, I, I really, really agree. I think, and there's also something to it. And when I was writing the, the vocab cookbook, it's, I, there's a reason I wrote this as a cookbook type thing. Um, the, the idea being, okay, these are recipes, take one if you want it. If you don't like it, just pick another. Um, you're going to like one of them, hopefully. Um, because I want people to discover organically what works for them. Right. Yeah. I, and, and I'm in agreement. Uh, you know, I have, I have my book out on Amazon and the, the last thing I want is for somebody to read the book, not get results and then blame themselves because even my approach, anybody's approach, it's not, nothing's going to work for everybody. There's 7 billion people. Everybody's going to have a slightly different style, slightly different um, preferences. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. That's right. Exactly. And I think, I think that's one of the the great thing about reading language blogs. Um, if you're reading them with the right mindset, for getting inspiration, not for getting uh, step by step recipes to success. Because you know, even if we have learned, you know, you have learned several foreign languages, I've learned several foreign languages. Still, doesn't mean we can control somebody else's brain. Absolutely. Okay, so that well, that's my hobby box as well. I'm, I'm always talking about this sort of, and I really want to send this message to the listener as well. You do, guys, just do whatever you want to do, give it a go, and all we can do is kind of tell you what works for us. Um, draw a line down the middle if you want to do it in a formal <laughs> language school way. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's the thing is I think a lot of people, I mean, they get so wrapped up in arguments. Kind of drives me crazy. I, I had to stop some of my forms because I'm just like, if you don't like it, don't do it. You know, if somebody makes a suggestion, don't do it. You know, just move on to the next tip. Or if you're not sure about it, give it a try, try it out, and then then make a decision afterwards. You know, I think people just there's a almost a rhetorical model of knowledge building mm. when, <laughs> in, in language learning, and it's uh which which is good and bad. You know, I, I think that. I just wish that people had a little bit more spirit of adventure. Give, give things a try, even if they sound wacky. Because I mean, you never know, right? It, it, it might some, something might really work for you. Make something click. That's very true. That's very true. 
And talking of spirit of adventure, um, how how adventurous are you on Skype and with language exchanges and practicing the speaking aspect of your language? Because you're so far, and I know from my own translation experiences, your language learning approach sounds a little introverted. So do you get the exchange? Do you need that input from outside? Absolutely, yeah. Um, when I was learning, it's funny because every language is a little bit different. So with German, I lived in I lived uh, near Stuttgart, and I was out there speaking it. I was out there struggling. <laughs> People couldn't understand me. I couldn't understand them. I felt like I got quite a bit of a speak, speaking practice to at least set a base. So I, I did take the A1 test uh, when I got back to the United States, and, and I passed it um, because I had a, that experience in Germany speaking. Um, with Spanish, when I was – I took a year – I took a year uh, in 2013 to learn Spanish. I did have to go on to Skype like all the time. I think I spent about at, at my peak about four to five hours a week speaking with uh, language exchange partners. And I was going to do the same with German, but my focus really became passing this translation test. So that that went on the back burner. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a little bit. Uh, there are pros and cons to how that worked out. I wish I would have spent more time speaking, but at the same time, um, I, I'm glad I didn't like let it hold me back from continuing to make progress, even though it wasn't ideal. Yeah, and it it brings it back to that wonderful surfing philosophy in the sense that you kind of followed your wave. You know, you followed the wave that you were on. Yeah, absolutely, and. I, I saw some opportunities for German English translation. I said, oh, I'd like to get into that. I have the, the base in German. Oh, why not? Why not? Why don't I just, uh, why don't I just uh, really put my blinders on and try to make this happen? Mm. Well, in a second, I want to ask you about free listening that you've mentioned. Um, and I definitely want to ask you more questions about your life as a a person who has inter integrated language into his career as well, because I think that's, so interesting for lots and lots of people. Um, before then, just a quick thank you because this is a sponsored episode of the Creative Language Learning Podcast and we're being sponsored by Flash Sticks. I don't know if you've heard about these guys. Um, I really like them, sort of if you're losing momentum or you just want, you kind of, you kind of want to build that organic SRS aspect and also cover your house in very decorative, um, colorful post-its. <laughs> Um, it's a it's a company that makes pre-printed post-its um, to to help you with learning languages, and they do Spanish, Italian, English, French, and British Sign Language as well. And what you do is you you buy these post-its, and they come in beginner, intermediate, or advanced uh, vocabulary uh, sets. So you just buy like sets of vocabulary, which is quite cool if you you know if you're looking for inspiration from outside. Um, and you you are kind of looking to supplement your set textbook etc and I wish I wish they would do Welsh or Russian you know so I could just work with those as well because I'm very visual and you just kind of stick them on you stick them up around your house or you can you can play this game you can play basically a 20 questions game where you stick it on your forehead and your language partner has to guess what you've what you've been doing <laughs> what it says <laughs> and I've, I've been using these a little bit with students so I've been kind of trying to play articulate or um it's called heads up 
heads up, you can get the app. Um, and I've been playing that with students um, where I showed I showed them a post-it and I can't see it. So I just hold it to the webcam um, and I make them explain what it says. Um, and it's it's very good speaking practice. It's really, really good because it just gets you, you know, you're going to describe something and you're in that game environment. It's really rewarding. It's really fun. Um, so That's a good idea. I, yeah, I'd like to try that because uh, we used to play games like speaking games in class and it always breaks up the monotony of just speaking or following a prompt. You're actually you're actually trying to play a game. That sounds fun. Oh my god, yes. And I love them so much. And they're so hard to recreate if you're in a one-to-one -one video tutoring environment. So I've had to kind of experiment a little bit. And now I've I've kind of found a way of doing it. It's so fun. I just love it. I just really love it. So yes. That's cool. Absolutely. I I've talked with the Flash Sticks, uh I talked with the Flash Sticks social media team. Uh, before, but I haven't tried the product. I think it sounds like it would really work. I've uh, told this story before. One time in Germany, me and my friend were picking up a bed that he had bought on eBay or something, and he needed a knife. And I'd been studying German. He hadn't, except for he did one thing. His family uh, wrote wrote down, you know, made their own flash sticks pretty much, mm -hmm. stuck them all over the house. Yeah. And he. <laughs> And uh, and I was thinking to myself, oh, that's not going to work. And then we got out there, and I was trying to say, oh, how do you how do you say knife? Because he needed a knife to cut open something, and I couldn't remember. And he's like, oh, uh, messer, and, and the guy gave it to him. It, <laughs> and I said, man, I guess that does work. <laughs> it really, really works. It really. I, I I'm such a strong believer in uh, sticking things up all around your house. Absolutely. I've I have been known to stick stuff up in the shower. You know, you put it in like a plastic wallet <laughs> and then just actually put it in the shower. Um, and it's super helpful because you just see it every day. You see it when you're not expecting it. You see it when you're not even thinking about it. And I, I do it. I do it all the time. So when they when they when flash sticks came out, I just went, oh, I should have had that idea. This is brilliant. <laughs> it, it really is. A, it's an awesome product. Um, and it's sponsoring the podcast. So, Ron, if you if you wanted to try these out, you could go to flashsticks.com slash Kirsten, Kerstin, the uh, German spelling, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, and you could get 10% discount. How good is that? That sounds good. I think <laughs> I'm going to take, take you up on that. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, well, you are welcome. And Flashsticks say you're welcome too. Um, okay, <laughs> heading back to what were we talking about before? We were talking about... Free listening, or this is something that you mentioned—the the idea of free listening—and um, what I'm curious about is how early do you start this? How do you start at a point where you don't even understand the word yet? Yeah, I start. I start right away. I start as I want to get used to the idea of being lost as soon as possible. And even yeah, you know how it is. Even when you're starting out, the easiest kid show makes you feel absolutely lost. And I feel like I feel like something's going on uh, deep in your brain that's making that making it possible for you to learn it later. That's I feel like you're all like setting the foundation. Uh, for me, listening is setting the foundation for improving later. Oh, that's really interesting because to me, that my thought would be: Isn't this incredibly frustrating? Doesn't it make you feel like God? I'm such a loser. Some people feel that way, but I think if they just adjust their expectations, and it's not for it's not for everybody because some people just can't ever put that to the side. But I just sit there and try to pick out. My first thing I try to do is pick out words, and I used to I used to listen to the radio like 
a ton in Germany. And I was surprised that after, I don't know, six weeks, I was able to understand commercials, but I still couldn't understand the DJs on the radio. And I said, I don't know, you know, I don't quite get this disconnect here. I guess it's because the commercials were, um, they, they were spoken clearly. They were intended for you to understand it so you could buy the products, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, well, okay, something's going on here. You know, I can, I can understand. I just have to. I just have to kind of grit my teeth and get through it and not worry about it. And I just, I just repeated that at like, just listen every day. And then every couple of weeks or so, I felt myself getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like, I like the idea of that. I find it, I, I'm not sure I would, I would personally pick that up for myself teaching because I'm, I'm that sounds really scary um, to think now <laughs> if I, I, I do this thing sometimes uh, there's a Welsh TV channel that you can get in in England. It's called S4C. Um, And even before I was, you know, like now I'm kind of actually actively thinking, I am going to learn Welsh. I can do this. I can do this. Um, And before it was just like, oh, look, it's it's funny. Um, So I would watch, I would watch this soap opera that they have called Popolikum. And the good thing is it's all subtitled. Um, And you just kind of listen and pick it all out. So I guess there's something to, there is something truth about the idea of just getting comfortable with the sound of that language. And you do kind of pick up this idea of melody. So do you get told that you have, do you get told that you have a really good accent, that you sound good in foreign languages? Um, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you you know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And, uh. Uh, I just kind of don't worry about it too much. I just focus on becoming comprehensible. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, you, you've got but yes, absolutely. You, you hear the the melody, the the rhythms. I I think that uh, I I think that's maybe underrated. You know, and I think that's why listening to music can be so helpful. Uh, when yeah, when I'm starting out, if I if I start to burn out, I'm just being lost. I'll switch over to music, music videos, and and I don't have that problem anymore. Mm. I can really, I, I feel that, I feel that when you speak about um, your your language and the the kind of standards you set for yourself, there's a real kind of healthy sense of, I know what I'm doing here. I know I'm I'm doing the right thing, and it's not that. I think if somebody is a new language learner and sort of out there, um, like online looking for advice, looking for ways to do things, it's very very easy to become self-critical and to continuously question whether you whether you're doing the right thing. Um, whereas what you have what you have got with your obviously many years of experience and you're kind of okay I've tried this and I've tried this and this works for me I, I, I sense a real sense of confidence in in when you talk about language learning um, that you sort of know what works for you is that also what prompted you to write your book that you mentioned before yeah absolutely I uh, it's true because when you go on there once in a while you read you'll read some blogs and you'll be like oh man I, I don't know anything about language learning, <laughs> and then you, you start to feel bad because you don't you don't uh, reach a certain proficiency level in a certain time frame or whatever. But uh, you know, then I, I just give myself a reality check. I, I say, uh, you know, I was in that intensive Arabic program, sixty three weeks. It was uh, eight to ten hours a day of studying, and we came out. We we were B two to C one. You know, it's not like we were. Even with all that, even with full-time effort, yeah. all what, the resources thrown at us, we still weren't. What people often call immersion, like it's this magical uh, solution to all your problems, immersion. 
Yes, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just not, <laughs> you're, you're still going to struggle. You're still going to come out uh, making mistakes. People are going to laugh at you. You just, you just kind of have to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. So immersion, everybody is not the Holy grail. Um, and I completely agree <laughs> with you. I mean, when I moved to England, um, I took the IELTS test because you, it, IELTS is the test of it's called the International English Language Testing System and very often you're familiar with either the IELTS or the TOEFL um, and you take IELTS as a kind of test to allow you to get to university in England and I tested at the, the level 9, 9.0, which is as high as you can go, right? So that's C2, that is your sort of fluent, this is native level. Um, and this is in this is now 12 years ago and you can imagine that I never, you know, I have become a lot better since then in English. So even when I managed to test at the top of some kind of scale that somebody made up, um, I wasn't anywhere near as fluent in English as I am now. So there's always, it's, right. like, it's like you say, you can never, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of surf the waves. I, I just love that image so much. You, you've really, <laughs> <laughs> you've really inspired me there. Um, and, so I, I often say, let's talk about this idea of mastering a language or about your, you know, fluency is a different thing to mastery. Um, in my eyes, do you, do you, how do you feel about the idea of fluency and mastery as these kind of success measurements? I try to avoid fluency just for myself. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I understand it's the term that everybody uses, but I, after a while I, I realized it just wasn't useful for me or my goals. So I, I tried to set more specific goals for myself. Um, I, you know, one of my articles is how long does it take to get fluent? So and it's one of my big search engine articles to my blog. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that I've thrown out the idea of fluency altogether. But for me, it's just not something that I focus on. I, I think it's, it's become such a loaded word, especially in language learning communities. Mm, I agree. I agree. And I often say I call my blog fluent and my, my company, uh, my language teaching tutoring service fluent. Um, because right. I had a big thought about, well, what is it that people want? I'm just going to call it after something that people want. And I can't call it textbook language services, can I? So <laughs> it's called fluent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> that's what people want. Right. <laughs> so what is what is a language? No, that's right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, and uh, I'll just... No, I uh, speaking back to that point about fluency versus mastery. Uh, so I worked with an... an uh, a heritage speaker, a native Arab heritage speaker who tested at something like a B1 level, but he grew up speaking the language in his house and his level of Arabic compared to mine, he was light years ahead. But on, on the test, I, uh, I, since I knew words like bilateral relations, I was able to, I was able to outperform him. So, you know, you take those proficiency tests with a grain of salt for sure. And he definitely had what anybody would call fluency. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's 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 about it's about confidence and comfort, etc. So, what for you personally? What is a language learning success experience? What makes you feel like, yeah, I'm doing well here? Um, I had one of those right as I was leaving Germany, and <laughs> when I was uh, packing my moving van, <laughs> you know, we were the. Um, we were the American family out in town. Everybody was pleasant to us, uh, but you know there was a little bit of a linguistic barrier. And on the last day, one of my neighbors came up and said, "Oh, what's going on?" And I was able to have a short conversation with her and say, "Oh, we're 
we're going back to America. My, my work here is done. And she said, oh, that's a shame. Uh, you know, is your wife happy about going home? I was like, oh, she is, but, you know, she's going to miss Deutsch, uh, Germany. So I, uh, I felt like that was a success because it was just a natural, spontaneous conversation. We were able to exchange pleasantries. I got the job done. It was, I was like, oh, man, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those experiences are kind of, it's almost like that's what we do it for, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do try to pass the test and I, I focus a lot of my energy on that. But at the same time, that's that's ultimately not even close to the reason that I'm learning the language. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm getting a real feel of kind of this sort of warmth and, and, and real interest, you know, like you're doing it not to prove something to yourself. You're doing this because it's fun. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, I don't really go in with a chip on my shoulder. I mean, at the end of the day, no one really cares about <laughs> about my successes. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, focusing on themselves. So I, I do it to have fun and, and with my blog, hopefully inspire a few people and maybe sell a few books. <laughs> mm, yeah, and, and an excellent blog, if I, if I can just say that. I really always enjoy, I enjoy the way you write. I enjoy reading it. Um, Language Surfer is certainly one of my favorite language learning blogs. Every time you write an article, I'm like, Damn, it's really good. He's really good. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Should be said. Okay, and because you haven't mentioned it yet, please tell um, please tell everybody who's listening what your book is actually called, because I think it's well worth reading. Uh, it's called uh, Language Master Key. Uh, it's uh, how to unlock your brain's ability to learn any language, mm. which is an ambitious title. <laughs> admittedly <laughs> an ambitious and impressive title yeah how to unlock your brain's ability to learn any language and is that out on is it out on kindle or where do people buy it it's out on kindle yes uh, kindle yes it's uh, on amazon um it's available uh at, for pretty much every market that amazon sells to mm-hmm and i have i since i have books on kindle too hopefully fingers crossed amazon's gonna do that little thing where you can bundle them together or we should we should sell a bundle at some point that'd be fun yeah that'd be awesome yes definitely excellent so you heard it here first right one question i still have for you um out of out of the many questions so for a really interesting life what's what's it what's it been like um in your life to combine the love of languages with your career and have you also combined it with your family life it's a uh... It was, you know, uh, no Arabic paid the bills for a long time. Uh, being a translator, you know, paid paid my rent for years. So it was nice to be able to do something that I was interested in. But at the same time, I did get kind of burned out because you, you sit there for eight hours a day in a foreign language that, you know, by all accounts, you're going to struggle with a little bit. Um, it, I, I did get a little bit burned out. I was ready for a change. Uh, I'd kind of like to get back into more translation stuff now. Um, with family life, I have to—I kind of have to sneak it in. Um, my wife, <laughs> she was a, she was a translator as well, and she's kind of moved on. Said <laughs> so she's not learning German with me, so this is a kind of a solitary journey. So I, I, I sneak in time when I can. I don't—I don't try to take away family time. I definitely try to use um, my lunch break, my commute to work maybe an hour in the evening after my son goes to bed. I do those kind of things to 
I, I really just try to sneak it in mm-hmm. without interrupting day-to-day life. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not the hardcore focus on bilingual kids and all that stuff. It's more like a, well, we'll you know, we'll do it when we can. Yeah, and it's funny because yesterday my son saw me. I was on the couch and uh, I was I was at Forvo dot com mm-hmm. uh, trying to I was trying to get the pronunciation right. I, the, I think the word was Eigenschaften, and uh, I was trying to get the pronunciation for that word right. And he's so he comes up, he starts saying it better than I can, and I said, <laughs> "Man." So I opened up another browser window and I went to some basic German phrases. He's he's saying "Guten Tag," and I was like, "Man, he even said the K at the end of Tag." <laughs> yeah, listen and repeat. Don't think. <laughs> That's That's right. Exactly. Mm. Okay, so Ron, since we're running a little bit long on time, I better move on to the final bit of the podcast. And what I always do with my guests is. I allow my guests to take control and choose the, what I call the tip of the week. So I have previously collected together three tips uh, for language learners for you. And I will now present those three to you and you get to pick your favorite. Okay, that sounds good. Excellent. Let's go for the tip of the week. Um, number one, meet up in conversations group. Meet up in conversation groups offline. So you can find various language conversation groups, maybe in a local library, maybe in a local pub. Certainly here in England, that's how it works. Um, at the local adult college, or even uh, through meetup.com, uh, find a group and just get off your computer and meet a lot of people and just join a conversation group. And you can do this even from a very early level by just listening and picking up words from your fellow language learners. Tip number two, find local podcasts by switching iTunes into the country's own store. Um, I saw this tip on Fluent in Three Months, Benny Lewis's site, and tried it out with French. And I was really impressed because the French iTunes store contains so much more. And it's not just all learn French and we're going to read you out a few phrases. It's just French people recording podcasts speaking French. Uh, You can do this with pretty much any language as long as there's an iTunes store and somebody podcasting in that language. So find local podcasts by switching your iTunes, a secret tip there. Uh, And number three, learn with music and Ron's free listening techniques by just finding language-specific playlists on Spotify. Um, Spotify Spotify.com, it's a free service that allows you to stream music in lots and lots of different languages. Um, pretty much the only artist you're not going to find on there is Taylor Swift, but everybody else is on there. So we've got off- offline conversation groups, uh, local podcasts, or Spotify. What do you think? I like all those tips. I think that uh, you can't go wrong with any of them. Uh, I'm going to pick for tip of the week the first one to find the offline conversation groups. And the reason is that the internet is unbelievable. I think it's changed the way we learn languages. I think it's made us better language learners. It's given us a lot more tools, a lot more abilities, but there's something lost when you don't have that face-to-face interaction with people. I think that languages were ultimately, ultimately deep down designed to kind of bring us together. And what better way to get brought together than by joining a language group and seeing people in real life. I think that's uh, very well chosen and very well said. And with that, 
conversation groups offline tip, which is, um, it's really true. Just, you know, sometimes just get off your computer and talk to somebody. Um, and with that, I am going to conclude the interview with Ron Gullickson from Language Surfer. Ron, where can people find you best online? Where can people send you fan mail, connect with you, etc.? <laughs> they can uh, write me an email at ron at languagesurfer.com or they can get to my Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash languagesurfer or they can go to my new Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash learninggermanisfun. Facebook.com slash learning German is fun. I certainly agree with that. I'm just going to go and like that in a second as well. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Ron, uh, for being on the Creative Language thank Podcast. Thank you, Chris. All right. See ya. Bye. I hope you loved that interview as much as I loved doing the interview. I really enjoyed talking to Ron. He's an inspiration and really somebody who can show you how far you can go by making languages a key part of your career. So even if right now you're in a different career, maybe you're a coder or a programmer or something like that, or even a mathematician or a gardener, I don't know, and you secretly love languages and never felt that this is a possible track for you to take in your education and in your career, maybe think again, maybe think about how you can incorporate languages in your career. You know that I'm very passionate about this. Um, and both Ron and I were lucky that we chose language paths um, all the way throughout our education. And the amount of times that I got asked, you know, as a French student or a, in, you know, a student of English, I got asked, hmm, what are you going to do with that later in life? Oh, are you going to become a translator? And people thought there were just two jobs, language teacher or language translator. And the world is just so much bigger than that. There are so many more things that you can do. And I really love talking to people who have made languages an integral part of their career. So as much as being a technical writer and being a translator is concerned, you know, Ron's doing what he's doing, doing his thing. And I just love his chilled out attitude and share it to a certain extent. So go and like that new Facebook page, Learning German is Fun, and go and find uh, Ron at languagesurfer.com. Of course, you can find me on the in all the usual places. Our sponsor is Flashsticks, flashsticks.com slash Kirstin, K-E-R-S-T-I-N for 10% off five languages and hundreds and hundreds of new and existing words printed on a post-it so that you can stick it anywhere and remember it forever. So go and check out Flashsticks, Language Surfer, and of course, I'll see you over on Fluent. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N, H-A-M-M-E-S. -M -M -E 